So today we have Friday and we are looking at the situation known as a desert. So kind of jumping straight in to what a desert is, we've talked about, we have looked at all the different ways that deserts are created. You guys had some fun today with a particular type of plant. What are those plants called again? Succulents. That is right. So I was trying to come up with a a succulent joke, and it was going to be real juicy. That's all I've got. That's really all I've got for that. But uh, succulents grow in the desert. They're hardy plants. They draw nutrients from the soil. They don't need a lot of rain, which we talked about a little bit last night. But today we're going to talk about this, not to waste your time in the desert. And our big idea question, if you're filling in your notes, you're following along in your packets, our big idea question today is what's in the desert? And we're going to look at four examples from the Bible. How many are we looking at? Four examples from the Bible of people who did not waste their time while they were in the desert. Because last night we were talking about the difference between rain and springs and rivers and sources of life. Yeah, my springs people over here, they missed out on the bloop, 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 bloop. Okay, it's okay. It's been a long week. I understand. I understand. But today we're going to look at four people who did not waste their time in the desert because a lot of times they're like, God, get me out of this desert. Get me out of this desert. God, come on, get me out of this desert. And God's like, I'm using the desert to instill some things, to install some things. Has anyone ever updated your phone or computer or tablet? And it takes a while, right? And you're like, come on. I just want it to go fast. Just got to play my, my Fruit Ninja or my Angry Birds or... What do you guys play nowadays then? Temple Run, Minecraft, Minecraft, NBA 2K21 Arcade Edition, no, Fork Knife, is that what you said? (laughs) So we play games on our phones, but sometimes we have to install some things, and it takes five ever. That's even longer than forever. That's how long it takes, right? Or my least favorite one, the school gave us Microsoft everything for this year and it's windows and so it's like okay i'm going to shut down my computer and then i shut down and then i see this screen and it says windows is installing updates do not turn off your machine and i'm like uh so then it turns off and i think it's done right you guys know what's coming next right so i come back later and i power it on and then it says Windows is installing updates. Please wait. And I'm like, I already waited. Why do do I have to wait some more? Microsoft just enjoys torturing me. That's what it is. That's what I've decided. They just are a bane to my existence. And that's how it feels sometimes in the desert. Like, God, I already learned that lesson. Let's go. Let's move. Let's let's get out of here. And then it's just updating. And you can't move. And you're like, God, I want to move, I want to move. So we're going to look at four examples in the Bible of people who did not waste their time whilst in the desert. The first one I'm going to point out is Moses. So you've got your four blanks down there, Moses and direction. Every time I hear the word direction, I think of my favorite cartoon animal, Doug from Up. You guys remember Doug from Up? Yeah, and he's like, I have just met you, and I love you, right? And then whenever he sees something, 
what does he say? Point. Like he says point while he points. Because the squirrel distracts him. Squirrel. And then he comes back and he's like, hello. Oh, you have a ball. I would like the ball. Please, may I have the ball, please? But that's what I think of when someone says direction. I think of Doug and he just says, point. And he points because he's a dog. So Moses and direction. See, before Moses became like the awesome, epic Charlton Heston that we know him to be today, he was a shepherd. And he was on the run. He was actually a fugitive because he killed a man. He was born as an Israelite. Then he got adopted by some bougie Egyptian family. And he was keeping up with the Egyptian Kardashians or whatever. And then he saw his people being mistreated. And he's like, I ain't going to stand for this. And he killed a man. And then he's like, what most people who kill somebody do, they're like, now I got to hide the body. And so his brilliant idea in Egypt, he's like, what should I do with this body? Well, there's sand everywhere, so let me bury it in some sand. And they found the body, and they were after Moses. And then he was on the lamb. He was running, and he was out in the desert. He was uh, hanging out with his father-in-law and their family. And so he's wandering around, and all of a sudden he sees a piece of natural shrubbery that has burst into flames, but it's not consumed. It's not consumed by the flames. And I feel like this ministers to us, too, as we're examining what's in the desert tonight. Well, this uh, shrubbery is not consumed by the flames, and Moses is like, I will go closer and see this great sight. It's not actually what he said, but that's, you know, the Bible translation, thousands of years old. So he shows up, and he's like, oh, my gosh, this is holy. And then the burning bush starts to speak to him, and he has an encounter with God, and then he becomes Moses. If you've ever watched the the four-hour-long Ten Commandments movie, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and she sees, she's like, Moses. It's like, Thus says the Lord God of Israel. It's, it's a great movie. We should, we should watch it. The whole thing. Tomorrow night, all four hours long. Yeah, intermission and everything. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Desert themed. I'm sorry. I should have asked permission first. So Moses and direction. Point. God tells Moses what he's going to do. The problem is, 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 is that uh, 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 Moses, he's not good with uh, the, the, uh, the uh, he's not very eloquent, is Moses' problem. He's not good with the words and the putting the together sentence things with the peoples. So God says, oh, this is fine, it's fine. I'm giving you direction. So we're not wasting time in the desert because Moses was out there thinking he was hiding Because he thought, well, I've done something really bad. God can't use me anymore. And God finds him in the desert and he gives him direction through this encounter. He gives him direction like Doug the dog. Point. And Moses is like, but I, 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 so God gives him help. He gives him whatever he needs. He gives him direction. Moses did not waste his time in the desert. Now we'll get to (laughs) next some people who did waste Moses' time in the desert. So Moses goes in. And he delivers God's people from Pharaoh. They go through the 10 plagues. Any Bible scholars in here? You guys know all the 10 plagues? It sounds like a bad camp experience, right? Flies, frogs, gnats, all these other things. I mean, we haven't had any hail here, but a lot of bad stuff happens. And finally, stubborn Pharaoh is like, fine, go, leave, get out of here. And Moses leads God's people 
away. Unfortunately, they, they kept some Egypt in their hearts and they ran into some trouble. So we have Israel and provision. Israel and provision. So we come from Moses in direction. Now we've got Israel and provision. And while they were in the desert, there were not enough succulents out there in the desert to feed all the people. So God gave them exactly what they needed to survive for 40 years. How many of you are under 40 years old? Yeah, you would have spent your entire life in the desert. One giant Microsoft updating screen, right? <laughs> yeah, cherish it, cherish it. <laughs> the people of Israel, they needed some updating because they still had the Egypt OS in their minds. And God's like, no, no, we got to get rid of all that. Windows, I don't know, 95 BC or whatever it was. It was actually hundreds of years before that. But he's like, no, I need to update the way that you think. I need to update the way that you operate, your operating system. You see what I'm saying? One of the, <laughs> and I have an iPad, so I understand. Because everybody makes fun of my Android. I don't know why. It's a nice phone. But one thing that Google never tells me, because it always has an answer, right? My kids will ask me questions, and I'll just have my phone plugged into the speakers, and I'll ask Auntie Google. She knows everything. So she always gives me an example, and then they're like, nah, bro, Siri's better. And then they'll push it, and they'll ask the same question, and then they get hit with the, you guys know what I'm talking about. Here's what I found on the web, right? You know what I'm talking about? Siri's not going to answer your questions. And Israel... Wanted the answer to their questions. They had the Egypt operating system in their brain, and God's like, I'm trying to update you. I'm trying to install some things, and they just kept wasting their time in the desert. But God, being merciful, provided for them. Israel found provision in the desert, and they didn't know what to call it. God gave them basically like giant cornflakes, Theologians and historians and archaeologists and pundits have talked about, well, is it, is it a biscuit or is it a wafer? But it was basically like a delicious, I think of those Belveda breakfast cookies. You know what I'm talking about? They're like, what is it? Bite it, dip it, sip it. I don't know how their commercials go. But they were given provision. They were given manna. That's literally what manna means. What is this? What it is? What is this? And God made it rain every day and they couldn't keep it because it would spoil so they had to rely on him every day. And eventually, they learned to trust God in the desert because they thought where they came from, they had to rely on their government. They had to rely on their systems. They had to rely on the hand of man to provide for them. And God kept trying to update and update and update for 40 years. And they finally learned to trust God. And then they could enter into the promised land. Their computer finally turned on. Do, 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 do. I'm talking about the computer finally turns on. Or if you're a Mac person, boom, I have a MacBook. So we have Moses in direction. We have Israel and provision. And now we look at somebody who didn't waste his time in the desert, Jesus and preparation. Jesus and preparation. Now, it's very interesting. In the biblical account of Christ going into the desert to fast for 40 days and 40 nights, I can't even imagine I sat down for dinner today, and I hadn't eaten since lunch, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm starving. This smells so good, and it was so good. Thank you, all of you who helped out tonight. Yeah, let's give them a hand. Yeah. Yes. Magnifique. 
So Jesus, and this is what the Bible says, was led of the spirit into the wilderness. And that just clashes with a lot of the the theology that we carry around. We're like, well, God, you know, Psalm 23 says that he maketh me lie in green pastures and there's some still waters and he restored. But Jesus was led into the desert. And we don't like that. We want to look at the desert as a bad place for bad people. And if you're in the desert, you did something wrong. Search your heart. But Jesus was led of the spirit into the desert for preparation. The Bible literally says to be tempted of the devil, depending on your translation, of course. But he was led, like we talked about last night, the Holy Spirit. And maybe sometimes you don't understand, well, God, why am I over here when that looks so good? They say the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Well, I come from Texas, so I feel that. (laughs) I'm like, y'all actually have grass. Back home, it's like the grass. The grass is always greener. What grass? I don't. We don't have any grass down there. It's just dirt. The dirt is always browner on the other side. But Jesus is being led of the Spirit into the desert to be tested. Jesus and preparation. Preparation. Where are my athletes in here? Any kind of athletes? We found out. We found out today in I think it was the third biblical foundations that Bethany's a really fast runner. Where was my group that was in there for that? Right? With the, the 5K under 20 minutes, that takes some preparation. So my athletes in here, you know that you go to practice. How many of you hate practice? You know what I'm talking about? It's hot. It's boring. You do the same thing over and over and over. I just want to play. You know, I just want to play. I want to get better, and I want to play better, and I want to win more. But we got to practice, 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 practice. They say practice makes... Perfect. That's actually a lie because nobody's ever perfect, and you always keep practicing. That's right. If you practice how you play, then you'll play how you practice, I think. It's been a while since I've played anything or practiced anything. But we have to practice because those skills are what is going to be tested later. We build in that muscle memory, whether it's the proper form of shooting a basketball or the proper hand placement if you're an interior lineman so you don't get called for holding or the proper read of a defense or, you know, this passing lane's open if you play soccer and all these different things that the coaches know that what we need and we just want to play. But we have to be prepared And the problem is many of us think, well, when I'm in the desert, it's a waste of my time. I need to go over here. I had a really interesting conversation with someone earlier today, and they asked me, they said, how did you know you were called into youth ministry? And I was very honest with them. And I said, I don't feel called into youth ministry. I feel called into ministry. But along the way, I was told you're going to do youth. And I feel like that's preparation for something that comes later. Now, because I understand that perfect practice makes you perfect, I give youth ministry 100%. And I try and do it my best that I can because if not, then when I finally get where I feel like I'm going, I'm not going to be ready. And Jesus was led into the desert, the place that we don't want to be, we want to avoid, we want to skip all of that. Let's cut to the chase scene. Let's fast forward. Let's skip the ads. Let's cut out all the commercials. I just want to get to the end. But if you show up at the end and you haven't done the work to get there, you won't be ready. You don't just show up 
and run a 5K in under 20 minutes. You don't just jump up to high school and all of a sudden you're on varsity. You don't just step into where you believe God's called you to minister. You have to put in the time. We discussed in Biblical Foundations how David sat for days watching stinky sheep. And that prepared him for what God had coming down the road. And when I graduated college and I came home and my pastor told me, next week, you're the youth pastor. God gave me a little revelation and I shared it with some of you guys. A little poem. And it's from the perspective of David. I fought the lion and I fought the bear. Now into Goliath's eyes I stare. But God is still with me and so I prepare a feast for the beasts and the birds of the air. See, God knew that David was called to be a king, but he had to follow the steps. He had to be prepared. Jesus was going to go to the cross and save all of humanity throughout all of history, but first he had to be prepared. He didn't waste his time in the desert. And the enemy tried to trick him, tried to come up with scriptures, you know. People love coming up with scriptures like, God helps those who help themselves. It's not even in the Bible. People always try and use the Bible and twist the Bible, and that's where we get the phrase wicker furniture because it's twisted wood. It's turned around. So wickedness is just truth that's been twisted, and Satan even tries to use scripture against Jesus for him to do something wrong. But Jesus, led of the Spirit, like we talked about last night, was prepared in the desert. And a lot of people want to avoid the desert. We don't want to go to the desert. It's uncomfortable. It's hot. It's sweaty. Nobody's meeting my needs. I'm having to learn and grow and change. But Moses found direction in the desert. Israel found provision in the desert. Jesus was prepared in the desert. And the fourth one we're going to look at today is Philip. This is in the New Testament. And acceleration. So we've got direction, provision, preparation, and acceleration. See, once all these updates were installed on my computer, I found out it was a little more snappy. It could handle more tasks, difficult tasks, easier. And that's how God works on our hearts in the desert, getting rid of that old operating system, installing something new. And Philip In this new covenant, now that Christ had risen victorious, the church was exploding. It was going viral. Hashtag spotlights. And Philip was leading this big revival in a city, in a big city, an urban center. He was all the rage. People were like, oh my gosh, what are you doing tonight? Let's go catch Philip. He's uh, showing at the theater. And God calls him away from all of that into the desert. And I can only imagine what Philip is thinking. God, is this the best use of my time and talents? And many of us think that way, right? I'm an excellent speaker. KP, not for me. And we think sometimes that there are tasks that are beneath us or I don't understand why. I find it funny. I can't really understand why you would do this for me. And we think that we're like above the tasks that are given to us by God or by authority or by others. And Philip, he's just obedient. I love that about Philip. He didn't be like, well, God, can you help me understand why in the middle of this amazing revival, when I'm leading so many people to a relationship with Jesus, you're sending me into the desert. He just trusts God, does what he's told. And then he comes across this guy from Ethiopia, which is a country in Africa. 
And this dude's just rolling along in his wagon. I'm sure it was a pretty fancy wagon because he worked for the queen down there. So um, this was like the it's like the Lamborghini of wagons. It probably had like spinning spokes on it. You know what I'm saying? Had like some subwoofers in the back. Just like a couple of dogs that they would just woof. But this wagon was nice. And this guy's rolling along and he's scrolling, like literally scrolling through the book of Isaiah. And Philip sees this guy and he's like, hey, what you reading there, man? And he's like, I'm reading prophet Isaiah, the scroll. And Philip's like, oh, he's reading the Bible. I like, I, I know the Bible, right? We got something in common. And so he asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian tells him this. He goes, how am I going to understand if no one tells me how to interpret what I'm reading? And that's when it clicks for Philip. I needed to be here for someone else. See, the problem when we're in the desert is that we are very myopic in our view of the world and we say, how is this desert going to benefit me? But many times God is using us installing something in the desert because we are going to have to go and do something for others. That's what I wanted to focus on tonight. And Philip leads this guy to Jesus and then they look, point, there's some water and we know that water is life. And he's baptized. And the crazy part about this, I love this story, is that as soon as this guy comes up out of the water, the Bible says that Philip was translated back to another city. And he just keeps preaching the gospel. And I went back to that scripture. I'm like, wait, what? Did, did he just literally physically materialized in another location? And that boggles my mind. Because we're, we're good with all the other miracles, right? Like, oh, God split the sea so I could walk right through it. Yeah, no problem with that. And then we're like, well, you know, God saved the guys burning in the fiery furnace. No problem with that. And then literally, this guy is transported through space-time like Star Trek. I think that's so cool. Because in the desert, he did what he was supposed to do. He took care of what he was supposed to take care of. And then God accelerated him to his next assignment, not his next goal, his next assignment. Because many times we have our goals, but maybe they're not God's assignment. Maybe we think this is what's next for me. And God is like, oh, that's cute, honey. Just trust me. Okay. Just trust me. We think I'm going to graduate and I'm going to get me a wife, a house, kids, and a dog. And then I'm going to retire, live high off the hog. I can't take credit for that. That's actually from somebody else's song, but it's the American dream. So I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to find a nice church. I'm going to settle in. Maybe they'll make me an elder if they know what they've got. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But God is thinking, I have so much more in store for you. We just need to update the way that you operate. And you know the best place to do that? That's in a desert. And so I want you to kind of change the way that you view a desert tonight. Because the big idea question, what's in the desert? And many times the thing that's in the desert is the thing that you don't want. It's the thing that you've been putting off because when you're in a comfortable situation, there's no need to change. But like we talked about yesterday, when you're in the desert, you got to have some things to survive because you can't always take your infinity gauntlet or your 5,000 foot tall inflatable Shrek or your cell phone tower or your entire Walmart. Yeah. 
You can only live off of what is there, but God has everything there for you. He has in the desert your direction. He has in the desert your provision. He finds you in the desert and prepares you. And then once you have installed all those updates that he's got for you, he can accelerate where you're going. I told you guys last night the story of how I was unqualified, uncertified, ungraduated, and God opened a door for me. He split the semesters so I could walk right through them. And in that same way, don't waste time in the desert. We talked about the nation of Israel and how they had that old operating system and they just kept prolonging it and prolonging it and prolonging it. Anybody in here ever had a scab? Yeah, and then after a while it gets kind of yellow and crusty. And what do you want to do? Ooh, I just, I just want to pick it. And you do, right? Anybody pick your scab at least once, right? And then what happens? Your body and all the platelets and the proteins and everything, I can just imagine your little cells like, all right, bring it back in here, Fred. We're going to cover this part here in about three days we ought to be. And then you just rip it open, and they're like, oh, my gosh, the roof is gone. And then your blood is like. It's like a microscopic level. You don't actually hear it, but they're down there like, help me. And you start all over from the beginning. Right? And you just think, that's cool, man. And then some of you play with, like, your little crusty scab. Right? I was a little boy once. I know how this works. Right? And you're like, oh, it's sticky. (laughs) Your body's an amazing machine created by God. But the problem with ripping off the scab is that you never actually let it finish. And then later on, you know, you're at the beach or you're out here at Eagle Ridge. And then you look down and you're like, wow, I have shiny spots. Like, I have a scar right here. You can probably see the light. It's a little shiny because I didn't let the scab heal. And that's the way that many of us, when God's trying to heal something from the past and install and mend and fix something for the future, we just keep going back like the nation of Israel. Well, God, why? Well, I don't understand. Oh, my ex texts me. Let me text him back. Now, leave Egypt in Egypt, boys and girls, okay? (laughs) Don't waste your time in Egypt the desert. Because many of us view the desert as just another trial we have to get through, and I'm just going to do whatever I can to get out of here as fast as I can, but God is redeeming the time that we are in the desert because he has our direction in the desert. It's a lot easier to hear when there's not so much noise around you. You ever notice that? Like I was asleep last night in the, the conference center office, And when the AC kicks on, it kicks on. And I got scared. I'm like, I thought I was the only one here. And it sounds like like someone knocking on the door when it turns on. But only because it's so quiet. Like when I'm in there throughout the day and I'm working on my scriptures and, you know, people are in and out and handling business, it doesn't shock me as much as when it's quiet because it's a lot easier to hear when it's quiet. And it is very quiet in the desert. And some of us are like, Well, I want God to answer me as soon as I'm in the desert and tell me how long it's going to take and what I need to do to get out and how I'm going to be edified by this when he's just wanting us to learn to listen. Learn to listen. We did a little bit of that today and journaled and looked at what God has done in our lives. But in the desert, it's easy to listen, so it's easy to get direction. In the desert, there's not a lot that we can do for ourselves So it is easier to trust God for our provision. 
See, when everything's easy, there's no need to have faith. If you know how it's going to turn out, you don't have to believe God. Martin Luther King Jr., a civil rights activist in the 1960s, said, if you see the whole staircase, the first step takes no faith. That makes sense. If you don't know how it's going to end and you just take the first step, you're trusting God is going to lead you the rest of the way. So we have our direction in the desert. We learn to trust God for our provision in the desert. And you have to understand that this is not the only desert you'll ever be in. We have talked about how difficulties are going to come up in life, whether it is uh, relationships you thought were going to last or jobs that, you know, you thought were going to last or situations you thought you would be in. And you're going to be back in the desert and you have to recognize, all right, I don't know how long I'm going to be here, but I'm going to seek God. I'm going to trust God. He's preparing me for what's coming later. Relationships that don't work out prepare you for the kind of relationship that God has in store for you. Oh, it turns out that God doesn't want me to be with someone who is unfaithful and manipulative and only concerned about appearances. Wow, thanks God for teaching me that. So later on, you can actually be with like a good person. Or we say, I don't want to have this preparation because I don't want to be challenged. See, when Jesus was in the desert, he was very harshly challenged because he had such a heavy calling. I mean, he literally went toe-to-toe with the devil, and he won twice because he also defeated him on the cross as well, and death and sickness and everything else that we have to deal with. But the preparation is so strong because the calling is so costly. If you ever look at championship teams and the way that they prepare, chances are they prepare much better than teams that are horrible, They don't do very well. They let their players take it easy. But then in clutch moments, their stars are not ready to perform. I think I was talking to some of y'all in line about how awful Ben Simmons actually is. And everyone in Philadelphia has been like, oh, Ben Simmons, he's our savior. But he's not prepared in certain areas. And so when it comes time, he fails again and again. And again, and every year it's the same story. When's this guy going to develop a jump shot? Because he's not taking the offseason, the summers, the desert to get better. I don't know what he's doing, but he's getting paid. So we have to use the time in the desert as preparation and not shy away. Well, God, I don't want you to prepare me because I don't want to do anything big for you. That's not an option. We all have, like we talked about, a calling and potential and God is leading us somewhere And the longer we take to prepare for that, the longer we're going to spend in the desert, like the nation of Israel. And God will still provide. His mercy and his grace are still available. But don't waste your time in the desert. Because when you learn to trust him for direction and provision and preparation, that is when you will see him accelerate. I have seen people that others don't think are qualified, step into a situation because the favor of God is on their life. And I believe that that can be you. Not because we take shortcuts, not because we want the easy way out, but because we trust God and believe God and he can open doors like he did for David. David was not of royal lineage, but he was prepared. And God was able to call on him when the nation needed him the most. 
And I believe that from what I've seen, from what I've heard, the interactions that I've had with staff and the people who work in this denomination and the churches that you're going to go home to, I know that you are getting this word inside of you. And that when you go to college, when you start your career, you're going to have that preparation inside of you and be able to accelerate promotion, be able to accelerate positions of authority, be able to accelerate how you contribute to your community and the workforce and the body of Christ because you're not going to waste your time in the desert. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about tonight. What's in the desert? We think that the desert is one big, hot, sandy waste of time, but it contains your direction, your provision, your preparation, and then when you're ready, God's acceleration. Can I pray for you tonight? Lord, we're so thankful for the word that you have given us for this entire week. We have been having so much fun, and our bodies are tired, but our spirits are encouraged. God, help us to remember tonight's word as we've been meditating and chewing on the the things that you've given us from the scriptures. And help us every time that we're in a desert to trust you, that you know what you're doing. You don't operate according to our schedules. You don't go according to the world's milestones. We don't have to tell you how to do your job. We just have to seek you in every area of our lives. Lord, I pray for patience in the hearts and minds of our children. I know they want to grow up so fast, and they want to just jump into all the adventures that they look forward to, but God, steady their hearts. Help them to be faithful every step of the way. Help the junior high kids to be faithful in their high school careers. Help the high school kids to be faithful in their college studies. Help the college kids to be faithful as they launch their careers. Help the people coming out of college to be faithful in their careers, in their ministry, in their families. That we trust you every step of the way. That we wouldn't allow distractions to take our focus away from the directions that you're giving us. Help us even from time to time to get away, as Jesus did, to hear what you're telling us, like you told Moses, like you led Israel, like you spoke to Philip. God, help us to not waste time in the desert because you can use any situation to prepare us for what's coming next. And I know and I believe and I know that the leaders here and the staff here and the counselors here also believe with me that you have incredible things in store for these young men and women that they have no idea. Sometimes it just takes an update of our operating system. And Lord, allow us to trust your timing in the desert. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.